In this episode, Obiora and I are going to discuss what seems to be the runaway Best Picture winner, Chloe Zhao's Nomadland. Then later, I'm joined by our Falcon and Winter Soldier correspondent, Emmanuel Parasigiji, to discuss episode four of the Marvel Disney Plus series. Hope you guys enjoy the episode. Welcome, everyone. It's the Popcorn for Dinner podcast. And of course, I'm joined by the only person I know who'll be willing to drop everything, enter an RV, and just drive across America. It's my co-host. So the thing is, right, I actually I actually looked at, like, prices for doing, you know, the whole, I think it's Route 66 from, like, East Coast to the West Coast Why and stuff. Why have you not said your name yet? And... <laughs> Oh my gosh, what's my name? Ibira George Ifacho, aka Fig. <laughs> I'm never going to go into that anymore. You're going to stop. You look at prices and then what happened? Yeah, I, it's a, you know, just jumping in a van and going from one place to the other. That would be quite an interesting experience. Do you reckon you could like try, you know, the whole camping and... Oh, I would hate it. <laughs> I would hate it. I, I'm not, I'm not an older, but like, no, no, I would hate it. I wouldn't mind the like... The isolation of staying by yourself, but the whole living out there now. Yeah, anyway, not, so you're not a big you people could, person, are you? I don't. I won't say that. I <laughs> I like people to a degree that they're useful. How are you, Bira? I'm good, man. Work is work is good. Weather is good. Um, it's spooky right now in Bristol. So got like the protest going on. Got a what are they protesting? Um, the kill the bill. Um, oh, okay. Stuff. So they're protesting that. Got the police being the police. Uh, you got a mayor, a candidate for the mayor position, basically tweeting that we should bomb Bristol. So, um, yeah, pray for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think it's like it's been going on for a couple of days, and yeah, just really, really tough times. Not tough, but like just weird times going on. But yeah, more yeah. man. How are you doing? I will stay safe. Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. Um. One of my personal faves returned recently, Breeders, is the Sky Strike FX comedy from like, mm. so I'm um, starring and created by, co-created by Martin Freeman. The brain trust behind it is like Simon Blackwell, Chris Addison, these are like right. names from like The Peep Show, The Thick of It, like Veep, yeah. um, Four Lions. So like, it's that kind of, it's that kind of comedy. And like, I really, I think by the time this is airing, I think like four episodes have come out. All right, I'll check um, that out. Yeah, second season. I think for anyone, just just go watch the first. If you watch the first five minutes of the pilot, that's season one, episode one, and you're not invested, then then I'll give you I'll give you your money back because <laughs> the first five episodes, just the first five minutes, was just like yeah, and I don't want to just go watch the first five minutes and then hopefully we can talk about I can talk about it more as the season goes on. But yeah, it's a, it's a show I really like. What have I been watching? So I just finished the investigation on the BBC. It's this Danish, of course, Danish um, miniseries covering uh, investigation, police procedural into the murder of a Swedish journalist that happened like a submarine. Apparently this is like a true story. And um, like the way it presents itself, it doesn't, it doesn't even mention the serial killer's name. And it chooses to focus on the actual document, um, on the investigation mm-hmm. and on the victim rather than the actual serial killer. So I, mean, I finished that. That was really, really well done. And I've been watching Formula One Drive to Survive on Netflix. Mm-hmm. Oh, so yeah, I've heard about that, yeah. That's really good, um, especially as the season is about to start. It's basically like Formula One for dummies, uh, recaps like what happened the last season, and it's like really well dramatized. And Oh, does it follow? So it follows the season of, of racing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I just thought it was... Oh, I don't know why I thought it was. I just thought it was like an independent... I thought it was independent of... The Formula One season, I thought it was just like an independent. No, 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 no. It's it's like it's Netflix and um, Formula oh. One together. Yeah. So it's like much of the day, but released all at once. Um, not well. Yes, yes. It does show highlights of like the season, but it's really there are a lot of storylines involved. So it's really well done. Oh, a lot okay. of good storylines each episode. So go watch that. Really get you into into the sports. But yeah, what are we talking about today? What we're talking about, we're talking about Francis McDormand. Throwing a fastball in it. 
Yeah, just throwing all her shit in a storage locker and like, I'm just driving across America. So if you couldn't tell, we're talking about Nomadland, the presumptive Oscar nominee, Oscar winner. Favorites. Yeah. Nomadland. It's the latest film from Chloe Zhao and it focuses on this woman who, after losing her husband and also basically her her city, where she lives, like this was a community that was heavily dependent on the one industry and then this industry closes down in 2011 and that just basically lays out the lays off the entire community and next thing you know this city doesn't exist yeah so so she just basically says fuck it doesn't she and gets into a van and becomes a nomad essentially she she becomes houseless not homeless as she yeah. as she wants to prove or point out so this movie is most like most likely going to be end up being the best picture winner, right? It's a um, favorite. Uh, yeah, it's the overwhelming favorite. What are your thoughts on the film? Really like the film. It's not like my you know type of film, just you know on the surface, but mm. it was really good. Like just how the main character carries the film and the direction of Chloe Zhao. The cinematography was fucking brilliant as well, and showing how someone, um, in this case. Fern, who's Francis McDonald's um, character in the movie, deals mm. with grief and loss and how she's just been able to say, fuck it, and just basically come into her own self and doing what she wants mm-hmm. and meeting, you know, this community along the way and just being able to learn different, you know, techniques and the struggles she counters during her journey. At the end of the movie, she kind of ends up, you know, back in the city that she left initially mm-hmm. and how she's able to just let that go. She's left that baggage behind and she's finally able to basically be free from that emotional luggage that she was carrying. And, you know, it's quite a, it's quite a heavy film. It's quite a heavy film and it's, yeah, really, really good. Um, mm. um, I think I'm a bit more cold on the film. Right. I think I'm a bit more cold on the film than, than you were. I I think it's a beautiful film, just on the face, like actually the beauty of the cinematography. Yeah. Very, very good cinematography. Um but I didn't I don't think I, I didn't I didn't love the film. I'm guessing I, you didn't get that emotional reaction from yourself. I didn't get that emotional reaction, which is exactly what I was gonna say. I I saw it, but I didn't get it if that makes sense. I saw right. I, I completely saw what they're trying to do i completely appreciate a lot of it i don't hate that i've watched the film i don't want to take those the 90 minutes back if that makes sense like i've watched the film and i get it this is going to be in best picture and i understand it makes sense to me i see it i see the i see what is working i see the gears turning and everything but i didn't get that emotional re- i can like i think i can on one hand praise the movie and appreciate it and see what it is and mm-hmm. but i just didn't get that emotional reaction and this this usually happens. Like, this happens to me once in a while, right? When it happened to me with, for example, The Shape of Water. Oh, my God. Like... <laughs> I wonder what your reaction was going to be. But, yeah, it's like, it's that where I, I understand. It's a good movie. I enjoyed this more than I enjoyed Shape of Water, just, just to be clear. <laughs> um, on one hand, I can appreciate what is done well and mm-hmm. what is good about it. But on the other hand, I'm like, I, it wasn't just, it wasn't entirely for me. Mm, that's fair. I think, I mean, I don't think it was, I don't think it was for me as well. Like, but it was, I think it did, uh, it did solicit, solicit some kind of, I did feel some kind of way about the movie. Mm. And um, maybe n- not, you know, 100%, but it might have been you know, 40%, I'd say. And I think there was one scene, especially with um, Fern and Swanky, when, she was kind of saying or mentioning for the first time that she had cancer. Mm-hmm. And I think that was like probably my favorite scene in the movie. And just that um, scene, for example, that kind felt some kind of way, man. Oh no, yeah, like definitely. Some kind I, of way. Like I, I'm not, I want to be trying to be as clear as possible. So it doesn't seem like I'm, I'm being a down on the film. Yeah. 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 There were points in the film where I was getting the emotional reaction that the film wanted me to get, right? Mm-hmm. It's just that I'm saying, as a whole, looking as back whole. at it, it's just like, like, when Dave, when Dave, when the plates fall, I, I think I had a physical reaction. 
I think I was like, oh no, oh, like, I was gosh, sad just for go him. Away. I was yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I was like, Dave, I've been there. I've been because I'm the clumsy one. I'm like, I've been there when you just like everything just seems to be good. So I, I didn't hate, like I said, I didn't hate the movie. I just I got the physical, the emotional reactions at points where they wanted me to. It's just in general, I wasn't. It wasn't a movie that like. I'm not running. I'm not running to replay this movie. I'm not looking right. like when I, when it's like 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 it, it, it's not a movie. That I'm like, oh, this has just hit me. Yeah, and I think I have some theories as to why. We'll talk, we'll talk about that in a bit. But but I want to really praise the movie. I want to praise what it ha- what it does well. I think the cinematography is beautiful. Like I said, like that's the literal word, just beautiful. Yeah. Um, the editing is is good. Chloe Zhao writes, directs, produces, and edits the film. So that's just okay. She's doing um, a Wells, isn't she? Cl- clearly, <laughs> did Wells even edit? I don't think he did. No, I don't think so. Like, I was clearly Chloe Zhao has two heads. So, like, it's just good, and like the the way she chooses to shoot the film, and like the framing and the talking and everything, it gives that very naturalistic feel, which it almost kind of feels like a documentary, which is something that we'll talk about yeah. again in a second. And so that's something that's good. Francis McDormand is just. I'm always so impressed as to this kind of acting that you can't really quantify as acting. No. It's, like, she's basically becoming... She's basically... Hard, it's so hard to explain, man. It's so hard to explain because we know that she's doing a truly incredible performance, right? But it's not something you can point your... You, you can't... You can't take two minutes out of it and post it on YouTube and be like, this is an incredible acting performance, right? It's just... It's the whole. The yeah. whole of it is just incredible and so on. And she's... she's she, she feels like... If I saw her in the streets, right, and she wasn't Fern, I'll be like, what are you doing? This is not who you are. Like, yeah. Fern is who you are, right? Because it just yeah. it just seems so natural. And obviously, again, she's a good actress. She did the same thing in the three billboards. But it just feels like that is her. Like, she's not acting. And that's just she's, very naturalistic. Yeah. It's just quite quite good. Actually. I think, yeah, I think the, the the variety of emotions she, she's been asked to to display in this movie it's it's quite incredible like you know she's a she's a warm person like one kind person who's dealing with a lot of grief mm-hmm. but at the same time doesn't really want people she doesn't like help from people or she's quite reluctant to you know have assistance from people she doesn't want people getting too close which is why there's that scene when she's in the in the shop and there's people ask if she wants to sleep over and she's like no in the gas station when that mm. woman is like you know, coming to the church, she's like, no, Dave, you know, asked her, would you want to stay over? She's like, no, she's really, she's a nice person. She's, I think she's also quite, um, quite goofy in a way. She's quite, she's quite um, playful mm-hmm. in some mm-hmm. pockets as well. And it's like that character, that person is so believable. And it's so, it's basically like, she's not acting. It's just, I'm watching mm-hmm. a, a, an actual person just yeah. with a, with a, with a camera right in front of them. And yeah, exactly. And um, it's, it's interesting that like you, you interpreted her rejecting those um, kind of approaches as her trying to keep people away. Cause I just, I think my initial interpretation was that she was, she was content. She was happy, but it makes sense that she's, she's trying to like, mm-hmm. she's like trying to just, not trying to accept help and stuff like that. She wants to be her own bird, isn't it? She wants to. <laughs> She's because you know she had living in like in a house and everything with her husband, and mm. I think she just wants to do everything her way and just be her own self. And I think because of this, she, from what I got from the film, she was quite reluctant to people coming in. I also like the music as well by Ludovico Einaldi. Yeah, big up to him. Yeah, I really like the music in this movie, man. But I think what stands out to me is the um, direction and the cinematography and mm. Frances McDormand's. She probably definitely get the the Academy Award after. Well, we'll we'll get we'll get to that. We'll get to that. We'll get to that. We finish. Um, speaking of the acting, so this movie is based on a nonfiction book of yep. the same name, and in the book there are three nomads, right? Three vehicle dwellers that are featured in the in the in the book, and all three of them play quite substantial parts in 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 the film. Because I was watching them, I was like, "Yeah, you guys don't seem like actors. Not in like, and not in bad way. Just like this also doesn't feel like acting. Doesn't feel like scripted dialogue. Just feels like people talking. But then I was like." But you guys are too good to not be actors. Yeah, yeah. So I wasn't I, I wasn't really sure. 
So those are Swanky, um, Linda May, and Bob. Yeah, the 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 head, the, the leader head of, yeah, of, yeah. of the thing, and. So that's Bob Wells, he plays himself, who's kind of the leader of this whole nomad culture in America. And it's quite pop. I think he's got like a YouTube channel as well. Yeah, I think it's quite it's quite popular. They they combined actors with real life, you know. I mean, essentially, the only the only two actors in the film was David Strathairn and and Francis McDormand. Francis McDormand but yeah, yeah, it was very very interesting. I was like, this is. Incredible performances for people that are not actors. Um, from Swanky and, and Linda May, yeah. Um, I don't think it's possible to talk about the film without like highlighting and praising those those performances from two or three of them. I and you mentioned this word earlier. I kind of interpreted this film as a film about communities and of community. It's and I think Bob even says it earlier when he's like there are no final goodbyes here. We'll just say, I'll see you down the road. And and she, Fudas Fern, loses her community, right, due to capitalism and recession and all that, that I don't necessarily want to get into, get into in this episode. But, Another podcast. Um, yeah, she loses her immediate community, that's her husband, and she loses like the, the wider community. Wider community because yeah. That place just basically ceases to exist. Yeah. And it, it's quite interesting that taking this solitary journey especially just her in her van kind of leads her to this wide community essentially across all of america and mm-hmm, it's mm-hmm. it's people that are they don't they are very okay to exchange things that they have that's as they live life trip by butter for example just come and take whatever you want it's not really dependent on on, on payments and things like that and I think it was a very heartfelt like praise for this kind of community and what there's something quite special about the fact that you could arrive in this part of this country during this during these months of the year and know that you'd have family there and people ready to mm-hmm, mm-hmm. accept you and people are there to cook for you or whatever and it's I'm trying to think of the word, but it's it's, it's quite heartwarming that like by even though she lost her the community that she knew that involved like a community of houses and mm-hmm, mm-hmm. schools and things like that she was able to find this group of just free strangers basically yeah free loving strangers yeah how were you well aware of like the nomad culture before you watched this movie i knew nothing about nothing i mean i have no idea i knew nothing about it i knew like people had um obviously vans and you know customize all your vans insulated yeah all your mattresses and then like traveled around the country but i didn't know there was an actual community of people yeah i didn't know i thought you're traveling across the country there's maybe like one person doing it for a summer right yeah. i didn't know about van Dime. i thought i was just like rvs stay in one place right i yeah. didn't know it was an actual thing of just traveling and finding work in that area and mm-hmm, mm-hmm. when that work is done just travel again that's quite that's I need, quite interesting i need people used to yeah, live on van, live in their vans. Like, I'm not sure if you know this, um, Kleinber, what's his name? Free solo guy, uh, Alex Holland uh-huh. or something like that. Yeah. Um, he was like, um, used to live in his van. I think you said in one interview, like he actually prefers living in the van than living in the house. Cause yeah. And I so, mean, you have that, sorry, you have that scene where friend literally leaves the house to go sleep in her van. Yeah, man. I think this movie has basically just given obviously open my eyes to exactly this whole community of people. And, you know, if this job doesn't work out too well for me, I'm going <laughs> to get on a fire tent. You're going to become a nomad. <laughs> um, oh, yeah. And yeah, it's like, it's definitely showing you, it's telling the story of the recession and all that, but from the point of view of people that were actually kicked out of their houses, quite literally. Like, yeah, and, and communities and are just completely to, abandoned and stuff. Yeah, as well. Like I said, that's a whole other episode. Luckily, by all accounts, well, I'm sure it's not the case for most people, but at least the people that were interviewed for the book and featured in the film, by all accounts, most of them are happier and more content. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Which, which actually leads me to a question I was thinking about while I was watching it, and it's basically, what's the aim of life? Right? It's, is, it, is it just to be happy? 
obviously you're not going to be able to answer this. this I'm not. I'm no, not no, I can't. You to give me. Oh, you, you can. Oh, you can tell me the meaning of life. I'm trying to mean of oh, life. Oh, okay. My listeners, the meaning of life. I did not know <laughs> you were that enlightened. Nah, I think. Shred. I think the um, meaning of life. I think the aim of life is to find a genuine purpose to oneself and to be able to achieve optimum satisfaction and um, contentment and happiness in But what if all that something. is devoid of, what did you say, find a genuine passion, is that what you said, or purpose? Genuine purpose. What if all that is, what if all that is devoid of a purpose? Like, why must we have a purpose? That sounds very capitalistic. Not, well, I mean, your purpose could be to raise a family. Or, or to just be to live in RVs or just across to, the country and find friends. Yeah, that could be. I think once you find a, a purpose to your existence and you're able to achieve optimum satisfaction, which is, I mean, and that's another debate on exactly mm. when am I, when is this the peak of my, you know, happiness in life? That's a different debate for another day. But I think once you're able to do those two, in my opinion, I think you have one life but <laughs> to be fair like it's it's a quite it's it's quite an expansive question that there is yeah no i wasn't i wasn't expecting you to give me an answer i think everyone probably but, have like a different interpretation on I, yeah i only asked because obviously watching this movie i was like wow there's there's no way i can do that like i can't imagine just committing the rest of my life to just living in an rv and just driving up. but then i was like but they are happy like so like they are they are ready like if they if they die at that moment, they don't feel like they've wasted their lives. They're they're, they're just they're happy, and I was like, maybe they've maybe they've hacked it. Maybe they've maybe, maybe they've cracked they've won life basically. Maybe, yeah. yeah, maybe they figured out the matrix. Maybe they just know what it is and just like why why yeah. are you? It's kind of like um like and, you know they could look at other people. I mean they could look at you know watch TV or look at their phones and say how could people, you know, have these regular jobs. 95s mm. all the time. They have no control over their, their actual lives. Their lives are bound by bosses and capitalism and all that kind of stuff. And they'd be wondering how can you live like that? Like, how can you not have a feeling of being free? Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, that's probably what, how they look at it. And us that were kind of a bit more conformed to capitalism and 95s and all that BS. It's basically weird from both sides. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, just it, it's quite. I was yeah. just like, wow. Um, and it's also the earnestness in which, which is the way Francis McDormand plays the character and says these lines like, "You never feel like she's looking for something else, right? You never feel like she's she's not lying. She's not hiding a pain. She's mm-hmm, genuinely mm-hmm. content and happy." And she was like, "I'm not homeless. I'm just houseless, right?" And she she means that hundred percent. She believes that she she's fine where she is. Very interesting. I mean, I think like more we've spoken about this now in the past half an hour or whatever. I've kind of enjoyed the film a bit more. My, I'm thinking about <laughs> it now. I'm like, oh, maybe I, maybe I actually back, liked it more than go, I thought. Go back and revise your take. Uh, yeah. No, no. I think I think my take is like I don't see myself watching that movie, maybe ever. Like unless it's like for research purposes. Like I'm trying to research something or whatever. I don't actually see mm-hmm, myself just mm-hmm. hey, like you know what we should watch. Well, I'm watching it. Let's watch No Man Land. I mean, we kind of mentioned this in the Oscars, and I guess the, this could lead to the um, Academy Award conversation on how all these movies are good movies, mm-hmm. really good movies. But if you just put all the movies just on a canvas and you had no preconception mm-hmm. on what's won the SAGs or the Golden Globes and stuff, if you just kind of asked someone to walk into a room and watch all these eight nominees, mm-hmm. or if you ask 100 people, I don't think there'd be an overwhelming this is the best movie. I think it's going to be quite spread out. Mm. And yeah, I think there isn't that one movie that's okay. This is the best picture in my opinion, without all the Oscar campaigning and politicking aside. Mm. I mean, there are two movies obviously that have kind of formed their own um, narratives outside of like awards and they've Mm -hmm. kind of become populist fair without sounding i don't that's not i don't want no negative conditions for that word but like promising young woman and judas and black messiah they're, they're movies that have kind of like pierced into 
non-film cultures consciousness right so like mm-hmm, mm-hmm. the everyday people are talking about promising young women and, and children and black desire but no well, about nomadland i i think like i said the more we've spoken about it the more i've realized like the things that i i knew i liked about it have come to the fore more now and i'm like oh maybe i did like it a bit more but like you said speaking of speaking of the academy awards so nomadland received six um academy award nominations best director for, for chloe Zhao. Best Picture, Chloe mm-hmm. Zhao, Francis McDormand, some other people. Best Adapted Screenplay, Chloe Zhao. Best Actress, Francis McDormand. Best Cinematography, Joshua James Richards, who I, I believe he's, he's Chloe Zhao's partner. Oh, right. Didn't know that. Yeah. And Best Film Editing, Chloe Zhao. So six nominations, Chloe Zhao has four. I was very bullish when we did our Oscars episode about the fact that I believe that Nomadland was just going to run through most if not all of these categories, right? Um, I can definitely see it winning best cinematography after having watched the film. It's beautiful cinematography. Um, at this point, I think it's winning best picture. I, I really, I'll be very surprised if something else was able to, I think it's winning best picture. I think it's winning best director as well. Mm-hmm. Um, adapted screenplay, actress, right? Actress, I thought, and please feel free to jump in if you have different opinions. I thought it was Francis McDormand for a very long time. But in the last few weeks, it's Carrie Mulligan has been making noise. Gathering up, yeah, she's been making noise. She's been gathering a bit of steam. And it looks like it's... And also, Carrie Mulligan has never won an Oscar. Francis McDormand has two. So like, that might be more in Carrie Mulligan's favor. and People might want to vote for her. So... That's a possible loss. Like Francis McDormand could, might lose Best Actress. I don't know. Yeah, that seemed unreasonable a few weeks ago, but now it's looking possible. I think it's a toss up between both of them. I think she's favorite as well, which is Carey Mulligan. I think yeah, she's like favorite. Like, she wasn't three weeks ago, but now it's like okay, she's gathering up, gathering up steam. Um. What was the second? Was it adapted screenplay that you said? Adapted screenplay. I think it's going to be between Chloe Zhao and Borat. Borat. Can't believe Borat is. Get on the Borat <laughs> game, man. Sasha. Did you know Sasha Baron Cohen was Ali G? Yes. <laughs> it's like Did I live on. It's like I live under a rock, you know. I don't even. I don't, I don't know Ali G. Like I didn't watch the movie, but I just know. I know the character Ali G. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sasha yeah. Baron Cohen. So Gosh, like she's been around for time, hasn't he? Yeah, early two thousands, late nineties. Fuck no! What what talented what talented guy? He's a very talented. And like I've begun to I've started liking him more like the last few years. And like just the stuff that he's had to do just to get those interviews from like American leaders. Like he's so, literally put his life on the line. Yeah, a few times, there's so. one. There's one thing I watched where he literally had to run, but I think it was like in a you know, hick country. It was taking a piss out of like those kind of people. And is it who is it who is America? I think it might have been that movie. Yeah. And he tried to like run back to his to his van, lock the doors because they're like chasing him. Oh, he's and, told some stories with like Secret Service, like the American Secret Service. <laughs> like he's having because obviously he's been costumed, so he has to like yeah. do undercover American Secret. Like he's you no know, his <laughs> wrist for his for his art. Fair enough. Uh, but yeah, I think it's between. Chloe Zhao for this and Borat for Adapted. So essentially, I think this movie finishes with, it has six nominations. I think it finishes, wins with like three to three, six, all six. Three to four, three or four. I don't think it, it doesn't win less than three and it, it could win all of them. It was blowing that way. So let me let me look at that best picture. Who is, who can win best picture? Nomadland. Yeah, I think. Nobody else is winning best picture. I just want to talk about like, Maybe some of the reasons that the movie didn't really land with me. Um, like I said, I watched the movie and I appreciated the movie, but it just didn't have that emotional connection with me, right? So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I don't think that is me telling anybody not to watch it. Again, I can't. Re- I want to reiterate that this movie is just a masterclass in craft filmmaking, right? Like mm-hmm. they do. It's a good movie. It's a well-made movie. So that's not in question. But people that have spoken about why they love this movie their reasons have been mostly emotional reasons, right? Which is why most people lost, love most movies, Watch right? movies, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And it's very, either they talk about Francis McDormand giving up like a very motherly vibe and like the re- reminding them of their own mothers when, for example, 
it's it's a pandemic, so people haven't seen their mothers in a while, or is it the fact of like grief and moving on and finally coming to whatever? There's this whole emotional gut punch that people receive. Now I didn't get that, right? And I think <laughs> that might. Well, I think again, I think that's wholly because of I'm a black I'm a black Nigerian, right? Who has spent a lot of time in the UK, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying that's not a barrier a lot of times. Like a lot of times things, it's art, art crosses over, right? It doesn't matter. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But I think sometimes there's, that's something that's, that's so specific that like the emotional gut punch just doesn't apply to me, right? I, I don't receive that. I don't, I can't really relate to the situation or even the living conditions or whatever in the movie because I've not been to America. I've never spent time in any of these places. Never camped before, have you? Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, I think there's the thing that it's just not a shared experience, right? So it's, yeah. it's, I guess it's, more so it's like to, hard for you to, to relate to. Yeah. To, to and that. I think when this movie, this movie, again, it's because this movie is very much like a documentary. Apart from the fact that like, you just have real people telling their real stories, just a little bit off center to camera, right? So it's very much like mm-hmm, a documentary. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. most times documentaries would hit you if you've experienced them more, right? If you've were in there and, and stuff like that. And, I don't want to make a statement like say this movie is not entertainment because that's bullshit. Why am I to say that? But it's like it's a lot more. This is what happened. This is why it was wrong. These are real people's experiences, right? Before it's the big shots. Before it's mm-hmm. a fun, funny movie. So I, I think I never really connected with it on that level. And I think it might be a background thing. It might be a race thing. Mm-hmm. Like, let's, there's only one... Obviously, Chloe Zhao is Chinese. I'm not trying to say that it's an all-white production. But if I remember correctly, there's only one black nomad in the entire film. I think the lady who's telling her story. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe it's just... I might be wrong, but maybe it's just a thing that black people don't really do like that, right? And if they don't really do like that, then maybe... Mm -hmm. Maybe if Viola Davis was the main character... Maybe I would connect more because I feel like it's something that black people experience. I don't know. And I'm annoyed that I'm because I only watched the movie recently, so this these thoughts are not that I'm, first thoughts, like, really, it? yeah. Yeah, I've only gone through them to make them make sense. So I apologize if anyone's listening, this doesn't make sense to them. But it's yeah, I I I think I might be wrong, so I think everyone should please I think this is a movie that again, you don't want to be a person that I guess now you could because there are no just walk into the office, talk about it on Monday morning, but Watch the best. You want to watch the best picture of me or the best picture winner, just so you, you have something yeah, to talk about. Movies, but, yeah. uh, I I think it's intriguing. I think if you, anybody that watches it might have a different reaction. I think if you're someone who, like, people can watch it and just be like, oh, this is an incredible story, and then go to read the book, like, you're someone who emotionally could hit you and you're like, oh, no, I need to go read this book or whatever. So, but just for me, it wasn't, it didn't have that, it didn't have that final hit. You have that mm for you. Yeah. Yeah. And, this is a ra- but this is a random connection. But when I was watching it, I I'm not thinking about it. I started thinking a lot more about Boyhood, and for example, Boyhood had that hit for me because some things they just seemed like I was. It was very easy for me to empathize with with the main character again because obviously we're kind of the same age and we're growing up around Boy the same time. Up, yeah, yeah. So for example, there's the scene when they take him to the barber shop. Like I was like, I, I I had that with my dad. But anyway. Like, I'm not going to, when it wins picture, best picture, I'm not going to be like, oh, I'm annoyed. It's not going to so, be shape of what time I get out. But it's so, just gonna be like, so what do you think should win best picture then? Oh, no. Mm, I'm fine with this winning best picture. I get it. It's not my best film of the year. My best film of the so year. What's your best film of the year, yeah? Judas. Okay. My best film of the year. Well, yeah. My best film of the year from this crop is Judas. I don't know. Overall, it might, it might have been Palm Springs, you know? But um, from from these couple of films, it's definitely Judas. But I have no problem with No Man Land winning winning Best Picture. I'm like, I, I get it. I that's gonna, I I understand. It's a uh, would you say it's an? It's definitely. I don't want to say it's an Oscar bait movie, but it is. It's but kind of things, it's the kind of movie I mean, that is like a Oscar movie. Mm. And yeah, it is an Oscar. That's something I think we need to talk about in depth. There has, to be, there has to be a difference between Oscar bait in a way that you know they are making this just to win an Oscar, right? And Oscar bait where it's a movie that just kind of 
has the trappings or has what an Oscar winning film usually has. Does yeah. that, does that yeah, make yeah, sense? Yeah. Like, Nomadland is not The Darkest Hour or King's Speech. Well, right? I don't think it's- I don't think anybody actually makes movies just. I mean, if you're unless you're, I don't want to say his name unless you're Harvey Weinstein. I don't yeah. think anyone actually makes make movies to win Oscars. I know yeah, what you mean. Yeah, you actually make movies because you believe that's. I'm sorry, but that's very uncynical of you. Who are you and what are you <laughs> You actually like, believe that's in... That's what I see. That's what I you see. actually Not believe you. in the projects and stuff, but... Or unless you're like, you're just this movie is like, we're just here to go on a three-month holiday in, you know, the south of France and make some Adam Sandler comedy yeah, or some shit like that. But, um, big up Adam Sandler, by the way. He should have been nominated for Uncle Gems. But anyway... Um, I'm not going to do the episode. <laughs> on, the, on the anniversary we'll, we'll find out we'll find the time to do that find the time find the time um it's uh it's maybe not oscar bait but it definitely has it definitely has um the element of a movie which favors important yeah the movie for right now like when it has this kind of trappings or tags around it you're like okay also i don't know i want to say it wasn't popular like that i mean the oscars do have the tendency of just um, especially recently where I think we've kind of gone back to a lot more smaller indie productions, which is kind of probably why you know Moonlight was the the movie that started this wave of just awarding mm. the Oscars to smaller productions and stuff. Maybe not the the start, but Moonlight was the one that kind of yeah. I get what you mean. Obviously, by that time, Harvey had been out of the picture, wasn't he? I think it might have been twenty fourteen yeah. or something. Yeah. Was Moonlight no? When I was not twenty-four. When I was like twenty sixteen, twenty seventeen. I think it was twenty seventeen Oscars. Um, but yeah, no, no. I, I agree with you. I think it's. I can see, like, like I said, I get it. I get why it's win the best picture. It's definitely a good movie, and I think even though it didn't do it for me, I think it would do it for other people. Like you liked it, so that's yeah. I I think I it was one of those things, kind of like the Irishman, where first time I was like, "What's going on here?" and I watched it again. Watched it again. You watched yeah. the Irishman again. Yeah. Jesus. I watched it again. I was just like, "This is okay." I see. I see what you're going and for. I, I liked it the first time I watched it. It's just obviously sometimes it takes you out when was it three hours when, or something, isn't it? When, when De Niro is stomping on on that guy. <laughs> that was rough. Like, <laughs> like, Come on, man. I thought it was quite rough. I was like, I was like, we didn't have. We could have done this. I like, didn't Martin, anyone? We could have, didn't anyone look at this? Yeah, yeah like, we didn't have to do a white here? shirt here. I was like, Scorsese, we didn't have to do a yeah. white shirt here. Oh, we could have done it close Like, you can't, you, you must see that De Niro looks like a 70 year old man doing this. Like, let's not do a white shirt here, please. What are we doing? The, well, the Marvel Isn't Cinema podcast, by the way. <laughs> don't but even. You know, I can't, I physically cannot do I that. I have a lot of thoughts on that. <laughs> I, I, I physically cannot do that podcast. But look, it's Martin, man. Anything he says is law. We can't. He's your favorite director's favorite director. You can't really. He's my favorite director of all time. Yeah. No, I'm saying he's, yeah, but he's your favorite. Like anyone, he's your favorite director's favorite director. So yeah. Um, yeah. No, I think this was look. This is a movie I think we both admire. You like a bit more than I do. Mm-hmm. No, my land, man. I'm gonna go buy a van now and. We even back to what you said earlier, just quickly about how this movie is smaller, like. What's a small movie in 2020, 2021 even? This movie is on demand. People have watched it. It's going to be, I think it's on Hulu in America. It's going to be on Disney Plus worldwide very mm-hmm. soon. Like, it's going to be on Disney Plus. Like, that is not... Yeah. That's people a big, are going to watch that, this movie. That's not a small platform, is it? Yeah, people are... It's going to be, it's going to be on the face. Like, they're going to advertise it because by then yeah. it might have won the Oscar. So people are going to watch this movie. It's not going to be... If anything, this might be like the I think this might be the crop of movies that most people would have seen, just in general, because people people are gonna have seen Promising Young Woman, people are gonna have seen Judas and Black Messiah. So maybe Minari and Sound of Metal a little bit less. Trial Chicago Sevens on Netflix, yes. Uh Marini, just for Viola and Chadwick, they'll watch it on Netflix as well. So like it's it's not last year where the movies that people saw were nineteen seventeen and Parasite, and then after that nobody knew what was there again. a great movie, by the way. I really like nineteen seventeen. I really I really did. And Uh-oh. I don't think people no, I don't think people did as much, and I don't like that because I really liked it. I think uh, I think that year was just one of like the greatest movies of all time. Came out and as I, well. Obviously, I love <laughs> Parasite, and, I, and I'm really happy with Bong Joon Ho and everything. But I just felt like at least give director to to no, Sam no, Mendes. No, no. Like, well, that was a so, 
great accomplishing and directing feet uh, just doing it. Yeah, well, it wasn't, just it wasn't, it wasn't all in one take, but um, yeah, yeah, it, still, it was bro. supposed to be in one take. I was like, give Bond everything. You've given him, give him screenplay, give him best foreign, best picture. Just give Sam Mendes one. Just give him one. But anyway, um, yeah, that's Nomadland. Up next is my discussion with Emmanuel Parasogiji about Falcon Winter Soldier and the latest episode. Welcome back, everyone. It's time to get into the latest episode of the Falcon and Winter Soldier. And of course, as usual, I'm joined by our Falcon and Winter Soldier correspondent. He now has to take down all his John Walker posters. He is Imano Paisogiji. <laughs> oh, the John Walker. Actually, oh, yeah. I have to take down my Battlestar poster, to be honest. R.I.P. Well, you can leave that in, like, as a tribute. But all the John Walker posters have to get down because... <laughs> you know, I don't know why it took me so long to realize he's named after alcohol. Like Johnny Walker, the drink. Oh. <laughs> like, that's, that's, I didn't realize that was a common until today. Uh, it was quite you. after I realized in this episode. So I'm not drinking that anymore. Yeah, show you how close to the, the deep end he is. <laughs> um, yeah, let's just start from there. There's no That's what people came here for. There's no point of going piece by piece. Yeah. Let's just start from the end, man. He he did it. He went he went full heel. He he made the jump. We knew it was coming. We thought it was gonna happen in episode five, but like he did it, man. Yeah, he's he's gone off the deep end to speak. And did like, you see it coming? I kind of saw it coming, but like that last shot, you know, shout out to the directing. You know, that is the perfect shot to leave on. You know, the bloody shield. Um, the camera work taking it from underneath, so it looks, you know, so it kind of like. Um, what's the, what's the term? Invites your gaze and like makes him bigger, but you know it just gives you that focus. And it's just the perfect shot to end on. So shout out to Carrie Scoglin for that shot That's... in particular, and a very well directed episode all around. But you know, I just wanted to give a special shout out to that, um, and obviously what it means because it's pretty much a bloody US flag. That's uh, my that's my job, man. That's that's my job on this podcast. I'm the filmmaking nerd. That, that, that's that's my job. I literally have in my notes. What, I quote: "The final shot is so fucking good." Like I was just getting because, but yeah, yeah, you're right. Obviously, it's it's just it's incredible. Like, I've, like we can dissect it all we want, but like, yeah, the bloody shield, the fact that shit from above, like it makes him more imposing and more villainous. Like, father, that's the final shot. Like, it's I'm happy I don't have to be the one to do to, to to nerd out on it, but like, it, it's it's an incredible shot. It's um so good i didn't like obviously we knew john walker was gonna if not go bad go like me punish at, at the very least like even if he didn't become full bil- villain we knew he was going to become like frank castle at the very least right where we don't really know where, where he stands but i didn't expect this episode mm-hmm. i the whole that last what, maybe five minutes 10 mm-hmm. minutes kind of took me like I thought okay even when when Lamar died I was shocked but I was like okay mm-hmm. I think this is where the episode is going to end it's going to end with um John Walker just beside his best friend's body and then he he goes full by the next episode mm-hmm. so I didn't expect that it was still going to go on and give even a bigger shock that was like yeah. that was quite surprising for me yeah no I think I think that makes sense I feel like it was one of those things where it's just that it, it was just so well done, first of all. I'll probably talk about this a bit more, but I really think this episode really framed John Walker versus Sam Wilson. And I actually felt quite a lot for John Walker in, in like the course of the episode because I started to try and think probably more about like where he's coming from and where he is just now. But like with the ending and everything, it was just like, you know, what a sort of like powerful statement kind of thing. You know, from him taking the serum, and yeah just and i think the perfect feeling i had at the end was like i think one thing in writing you should always go for something that's surprising or shocking but also obvious Hmm. and i felt like they captured that with that ending because the episode is titled the whole world is watching Mm -hmm. and at that moment where that happens and they've always been talking about killing captain america as well and obviously you're going to go into the least of the obvious answer which is the more of his answer, which is all physically killing him. But then, you know, they actually killed the image of Captain America, 
with the whole world watching, with the people taking the cell phone footage and everything going on the internet. Mm -hmm. It was like, you know, this is, it's shocking. It's surprising. But then you think about it from writing point of view and you're like, oh, it's not, it's obvious to the sense that it's not something that came out of nowhere. It's not like Deus Ex Machina or something like that. It it Mm -hmm. tracks with what we've seen before. And, you know, it was just a really good, strong bit of storytelling and that I really appreciate. I... I never thought the John Walker moment would be something as as intense as that. Mm-hmm. As intense as him killing somebody. I mean, I hope that guy's dead. It's, I'll be very annoyed if... Yeah, no, I'll be very annoyed if the next episode starts with him like in an ambulance and like... Because nah, nah, nah. obviously it's Marvel and it's Disney, don't kill him. I'll be very annoyed. But um, yeah, I didn't think it was going to be something like that, like him killing somebody on social media. Like that's, yeah. that's a lot. That is like... That- and it's, a guy, and it's a guy who's been framed as a Steve Rogers fan as well. Yes, this is a guy that was defenseless. It wasn't like it was he didn't kill this person in like self-defense. There was no defense or in the fall of war. This guy was just like defenseless. And it's not it's impossible to watch that scene and not remember Civil War. Like the shield mm-hmm. moment in Civil War. It's like mm-hmm. they know what they're doing. It's the fact that you're meant to believe, even if, even though you know it's not going to happen, but in Civil War, you're meant to believe that maybe Cap is going to, that Steve is going to use the shield um, in a worse way on Tony, right? In that moment, like maybe he's going to hit his head or whatever, maybe actually kill him, but he just uses it to basically deactivate him. Uh-huh. And I think even when you're watching this, a part of you is hoping that John Walker does something like that like he doesn't yeah. he doesn't go all the way and then he just keeps on going and going and next thing you know he's killed this guy in the city center like uh-huh. with the shield with everybody watching when full cost even like his helmet is off everything is he's captain america and that moment yeah. he's killed a foreign national in a foreign country yeah it's it's a lot it's interesting. i'm interested to see what happens next week definitely. yeah I, I really want to see what happens yeah i said the episode is really like you know, two sides, you know, and I think, yeah, now MVP Zemo was really the one kind of giving us this kind of philosophical gems and his little TED Talks because it was really like John Walker against Sam Wilson and it's back to what um, Erskine, who created the Super Soldier Serum, always said, you know, a good man over a good soldier. Mm -hmm. And like, I think we've seen that play out because John Walker, even in his conversation with... uh, Lamar Hoskins, Battlestar, you know, he is a good soldier. But what does a good soldier really mean? They've done a lot of stuff in Afghanistan. They've had to kill people. It's kill or be killed kind of thing. You know, he goes into every fight and he he just wants to win at any cost. He does, it's a fight first thing, you know. Um, they've been deployed as weapons. So stuff like Sam wanting to speak to Carly to calm her down because he has a background in counseling, which we saw when we first met him. Is alien to him because he's a soldier and it's, you know, you go in, you solve the problem with Mm -hmm. fists and stuff, you know, and we see the other side with Sam where, you know, even when Zemo asks him, Zemo's talking about, you know, there should be no super soldiers and everything. And he's like, you know, what about Bucky? You know, blood isn't always the answer. You know, you start to see where, you know, right, this is the kind of Captain America we need. You know, whereas the government has always sort of pushed for the soldier version of like, you know, he's just, you know, our first line of defense and that's it. And that's what we have personified in John Walker. The fact that um, Lamar said to John that, you know, the serum makes you more of who you are kind of thing. Mm-hmm. It makes, it's not like, you know, like he's a good person, so it would be more of a good person. And that would just be it. Like, again, this leads me to another thing. I'm really hoping that there's no cop out, like, or oh, taking the serum messes with your mind or anything stupid like that. Because that would be such an easy cop-out to what we saw at the end. And I hope they don't take it because um, I just think that what they're doing here is way more powerful than that kind of talk. But That leads me to a I question sorry, I was going to ask you before, yeah. before we go on. Do you think he would have killed that person if he hadn't taken the serum? Mm. It's, yeah, it's, 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 it's a tough one. I think he would have tried. I think he would have tried because... Hoskins was his conscience, so to speak. You know, even when I talked about, you know, Sam wanted to go and speak to Carly, Hoskins was like, oh, you know, give him mm-hmm. a chance kind of thing. Um, so I think, yeah, I think he'd have done that. And, you know, I think John Walker's really just trying to do the right thing from his own perspective. But, you know, a lot of pressure is on it. And yet, actually, what I was really going for was that 
a lot of the whole Captain America series has been about um, it's a standard question of like, you know, what do you respect someone for what they are or who they are kind of thing. And Steve Rogers and Sam Wilson, I think, epitomize who they are. There's a key thing here when Ayo and Co came in and John Walker was like, oh, I'm Captain America. And he kind of demanded that respect. Mm-hmm. But, you know, Steve would always go, I'm Steve Rogers. And he would earn that respect sort of thing. And Sam does the same as well. But with the serum, again, I just I just feel like Walker had just gone off the deep end sort of thing. I feel like he'd have at least tried to kill them, even if he didn't have the serum. I don't think... Yeah, I think it would be a very big cop-out if they start saying, oh, it affected his mind kind of thing. Well, that's interesting. I don't think it would have. Well, I think... Isn't it... It's canon. Like, we know that the the serum affects... Like, what Lamar says, that is like, it makes you more of who you are. I'm not saying, like, it doesn't... It doesn't make a good person psychotic, but if you're on that path, it just basically amplifies it. So I think whatever thing would have held John back from killing him before... Without the serum, the serum kind of nullifies that and just makes him really go in. Mm. If that makes like like it makes yeah, it makes you. a good person like Steve Rogers pre serum mm-hmm. and like annoyingly good person, like a very earnest person, like it just makes you that much better, right? Mm-hmm. But it makes someone who is on the brink, who is who already had anger issues and yes, ego issues, exactly. We already saw that, like he. He wanted to get into it. He, like, he wants to fix everything with his fists. The serum just amplifies that. So I'm not saying it's the serum's fault, but I think, like, I don't think he would have killed the person if he didn't have the serum in him. So I think... I, so I, I think he'd have tried, right? Because there are two things there. Actually, because I rewatched that fight that led to Hoskins death. And actually, before Hoskins shows up, Carly's going to try and kill Captain America because the other guy holds... I can't believe I called him Captain America. Well, the other guy actually holds him back and like yeah. pins him down. So she can give him she can give him a killing blow before Hoskins tackles her. Yeah. So I think that's actually triggered his soldier instincts, kill or be killed, you know? Because- yeah, but it's different. Because that there's a pause. There's a pause where he thinks about what he's gonna do. When Lamar dies, which is why I thought was, the episode was gonna end there. Lamar dies and he pauses. He jumps out the window and he starts chasing. So it's not like it's not. It's no longer self-defense. Killer be killed. It's like I'm. I'm chasing you. You're the prey now, and I'm the predator. So that's why I. I don't know if that would have happened without. This. I mean, we obviously. Look, what are we arguing about? Yeah. About superheroes and and serum. Like true, we true, can't true. prove it. I just. That's, that's what I think. Yeah. But that's the thing. Like us being able to have this conversation is what legitimizes all of this. Like that's how it's a good story. It's a good story, even if it's the most fantastical thing ever. There was a part of me that was like, "Is this going to be?" Obviously, more of me was thinking, oh, he's going to do something nasty here with the way he's chasing this guy. But I was like, mm. you know, imagine, you know, he came out, he did the superhero landing, everything. I was like... With the okay. shield. Very, yeah, very Steve like, Rogers landing, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I was like, okay, imagine he actually just stops this guy. Like, I can't hate him anymore, mm. <laughs> unfortunately. Like, I just can't. Oh, yeah, because when when Carly kills Lamar, I'm like, Sam, in my head, I'm just like, I'm like Sam, forget about it. You and Bucky, just go. Just let John do whatever he wants to do with, with Carly. Because at this point, he has every right to. So, like, I cannot e- explain to you how surprised I was with him killing that guy in the square. As in, I really cannot over overstate that I was, like, I had my hand on my head. My mouth was open. I was like, what yeah. is going on right now? How is this happening in episode four of this show? Yeah. Yeah, it was just, I was just like, okay, it's going to be the thing of he just hits him once and it's over. And then he hit him the second time. I was like, this is Disney Marvel, surely. And then I just see the guy's bloody hand dropping. I'm like, what? 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 <laughs> and I, I just like, shoot. I was like, wow. I was just I like, I can't believe this shoot, is happening. Man. I was like, I see the bloody shit. I was like, what's the show rated again? Like, what's <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, this is on. Disney Plus. Disney Plus is, is G. <laughs> Not even PG, like, a G, like, what is going on here? <laughs> what, what am I watching? Okay, well, we can't spend all our time talking about that fight because as much as we want to, we can't spend all our time talking about the end. So, okay, another thing I was thinking was, like, do you think Carly can be redeemed? Like, after everything we've seen so far. What does, what does redemption for Carly look like? I guess, I don't know, like, owning up that she went too far. And like, you know, I mean, turning herself in. Well, that's hundred percent not happening. 
she's like, if she wasn't turning herself in during her conversation with Sam, she's not going to do it now. Um, I mean, killing Lamar was a mistake, if we're being, like, entirely honest. Mm. Right? It wasn't the same way as John killing that guy, because John, like I said, everything was thought out. Killing Lamar, she just punched him and obviously hit a wall. And I'm not happy he died, obviously, because that's that's psychopathic. But I'm happy that that was how he died. Because I'm tired of like people being punched into two walls and nothing happens. Because I'm like, true, true, true. Like I'm fair. like, at the very least, you should break your back. So I'm happy that he, di- he didn't die like with a gut, like he died just by a punch and hitting the wall. Yes, because like, sometimes you need to sell the gravity of what we're seeing here. The only thing I was a bit surprised about was that everyone stops like, bro, you have been going for kill shots. Like this is a, what do you expect? Yeah, but I think it's one they wanted to kill. I think now nah, at this point they all know that John had the serum. Right, mm-hmm. they wanted to kill John. That was who they wanted. So I think it's again, it's, it's the whole nobility of mm-hmm. of the flag smashers. Nobility in quotes. They wanted to kill John Walker because he was passing in front of them. They didn't want to kill anybody else, which is why they separated some of them. Right, mm-hmm. and so I think it's two things. They are like, oh shit, we've killed basically an innocent, not really, but basically an innocent. But at the same time, we've killed this guy's partner and best friend. So. Oh my god! I don't want to be here when he, when he like loses it. But back to the original question. I no, I think I think it's just full on villain time. To be honest, I don't. I like a future of the MCU where Carly becomes kind of like a gray character again, not a full on villain. I I would like that to happen because again, her her goals are incredibly good and make sense. Make some, like Sam has said throughout this Which episode, Sam shouts out, yeah. Make so much sense. So I don't really, I think really find that completely sends the wrong message. Mm-hmm. The best possible decision is that she, she hands herself over, like you said, and she goes to the raft, which I don't see happening. Yeah, um, I, think so. I, think, I think this might end up being a sort of T'Challa, Killmonger kind of conversation, right? Where her ideals have, um, Sorry, I can't mention T'Challa without saying R.I.P. Chadwick Boseman. But yeah, it can't, like, it, it's one of those things where I feel like the villain or the antagonist ideals may have, like, gotten into the hero. Just in case of right, they're doing mm-hmm. it the wrong way, but then the hero is able to take it forward. I think, you know, come to think of it, you know, that conversation where Sam says, I agree with your fight, but I don't agree with how you're doing it. Mm-hmm. And then with what we've seen with his family suffering from it, I feel like, you know, we're heading towards something where, Maybe it's a speech or something where Sam as Captain America, like acknowledging, you know, these issues and acknowledging the fight of the Flag Smashers and getting us towards that sort of resolution. So sort of similar to what, you know, T'Challa did where he mm-hmm. opened the outreach center um, for Wakanda without, you know, going, um, going as far as Killmonger wanted to go to liberate slaves and everything. So it might be one of those ones where I feel like the ideal and the idea is kept pure at the end. And, you know, yeah, an antagonist is only as good as, you know, what effect or what imprint they make on the mm. hero. So it might be one of those ones that they might go for, I think. I mean, definitely, like, Carly has has touched Sam. That's, like, that, that goes without saying. Just one more thing. It's, I know people say it. People say it a lot. Oh, we're making a four-hour movie. We're making a ten-hour movie or whatever. And it's been said a lot about this show. And I think it's very apt about this show because just after watching this episode, I'm like, oh, okay, this is... This is the point right before the second act break, right, Mm -hmm. in a movie. Because the first three episodes are the first act. The first act is mainly just the team getting together and you spending time with with the people that you like, these characters, and getting to know more about the mystery along with them, right? That's Mm -hmm. the first act. That was the first three episodes, right? So it's not, it's no surprise that this is the best episode of the season. This is the best, this is the most propulsive, because this episode is pushing you towards that second act break which would mm-hmm. probably be somewhere, realistically, to be somewhere like halfway through episode five, which is like the second act break and the rest is the third act. So this is really, really shot like a movie. I can't say whether that's in its favor or it's not, because I think what happens is that everybody, people, people had been coming into the first three ex- episodes expecting this episode, this kind of episode, Right, but it wasn't that. It was a very, like I said, first act episode. Very some action, but really more of the the comedy in the action comedy thing, right? So it's like that. 
it's just flowing and then this is the this is the part of the movie where you're like okay you finish your popcorn and you're like okay focus now because we're, yes, we're yeah. getting into the action yeah, again it's the third act so, yeah. yeah it's it's, it's it, it just goes most to share where like you can't really you shouldn't really judge things mm-hmm. on one like you have to judge everything as a whole try things like that. like i didn't like the first episode like i've like i've said before like but the first episode makes more sense when you watch the second episode exactly like, the second episode makes more sense when you watch the fourth episode everything just works better as one and and yeah, I'm very excited for the last two episodes now. Again, I'm going to shout out Kevin Feige. I'm very happy that these guys are doing the one week thing. I'm not. Yeah. I've seen it for yeah. since Wonder Vision. I'm not not dropping everything at once. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very smart. Um, one more thing. <laughs> like I say, one more thing every time. Um, so you, I think you kind of touched on this a bit. Yeah. But we might, I think we might have different options. Episode MVP. Who's your episode MVP? It's tough. I think I have to go for Sam. Actually. Oh, I think you said Zemo earlier. Zemo is always the MVP, but like <laughs> So you don't keep you don't keep on giving that, it, really that, that, Yeah, is that is that kind of thing of uh, how, how how many times you know like let other people so I'll give but it to Sam. The best, but let's just give other people some yeah. recognition. So I'll give it to Sam. Um because it was interesting that like, you mentioned, you know, breaking that into three acts. Um, I was thinking of it in terms of the hero's journey. Mm. Like, uh, if anyone's listening, I'd encourage you to look at that because it's a good way to look at movies and stuff. That last bit, you know, the end of this episode is the final challenge that should, you know, properly like kickstart that transformation where he goes, right, I have to do something about this. This episode was really um, just a great sort of framing where we can see right why Sam is right for it and everything. And it's now time for him to see why he is right for it. I mean, uh, before I just a bit more on that, like, yeah. I think the whole Captain America something is, has always been more of whether Sam is right. Like, it's more than is Sam right for it, right? It's also, mm-hmm. is America right for Sam? Like, his sister says it, like, America's never cared about me. Why should I care about their mascot? So, like, yes, yeah, Sam can believe that he's right with Captain America now, but should he? Should he represent this country, this country mm-hmm. that is racist and built on the back of slaves that doesn't want to admit it? Like, should he represent that? Because I think that's a whole different reckoning that has to happen. Uh, my MVP, I'm thinking about it now, but I don't know if the person had too little screen time to be the MVP. Maybe later we'll, we'll come up with an award for someone that has little screen time, but should be the MVP. But for now, let's go with the MVP. My MVP is Ayo, first Kansu yep. Ayo. Three scenes, so, knocked it out. Like, so I actually wanted to shout out, you know, that first scene, you know, where we start off in Wakanda. Oh, I found out Henry Jackman is doing the music for this show. It explains why I've loved it because he's the oh, one. Wait, you didn't know that. It's like in the credits. I, I didn't know. I didn't. I, I don't be paying attention. But I was like, it's, it's weird that he's using all the, the themes I love. So it's like, oh, he, obviously he did the Winter Soldier and he did uh, Civil War. Mm. So he's using the Winter Soldier theme swelling in that scene. And you can see all the flashbacks and everything. Purging Sebastian Stan is killing it as an actor without saying anything. From Sebastian Stan, without saying anything, and it's just so good. And then obviously when Ayo shows up later on with the Dora Milaje, where they emasculate John Walker. I think that was the last straw. I think he took it straight after that. I think he took the Super Soldier Serum straight. Yeah, no, no. After his conversation with Lamar in the cafe or in the mall. They're never super soldiers. Like, yeah, bro. <laughs> yeah, bro, they're not. You just shit. Nah. Um I just I just love it. But like, yeah, there's there's certain things I want to shout that out. Uh, one of the quick things I want to shout out. We got Bucky with a knife again. Love it. I knew I saw when I saw, when I saw him cut the knife, I was like, yeah, man was gonna Immediately like, like, Immediately he got the knife. I was just like, yes. I was watching with my girlfriend, I just screamed, I was like, Bucky with a knife, yes. And she was like, Why is that a thing? <laughs> but yeah, I just screamed. Yeah, what's your who? My girlfriend. Okay. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that um, shout out for that, and then shout out to the line there, of course, that wrote for Sam when um, John Walker comes in and he's giving orders. Like, listen, the only thing you're running here is your mouth, and I just loved it. Like that was just so perfect again because he was just thinking, right? He's Captain America, so everyone has to listen to him rather than earn their respect. So it's just good. That's a good line though, but that's not the line of the of the this show is legitimately funny at times. Like just a funny yep. show. I'm like, why you should like but that's not, the line oh. of the episode is 
um, Fal- uh, Falcon. It's Sam telling Bucky, um, he's, he's, don't let him trigger you. He's just going to do that thing and do his head. The head tilt. And then, <laughs> and then Zemo looks at him and then tilts his head back. And I was like, oh my God. I loved it so much because I was just like, and he actually does it back. I'm very happy that we didn't, I don't know if I'm very happy, but I like that we didn't see um, him taking the, the serum. Mm-hmm. We didn't have to go through that whole ordeal of him. Of, like, he had maybe two hours of should I take it? Yeah. I don't know, Lamar. Okay, well, let's just, before we end this conversation, would you take the serum? <laughs> oh, I hesitated, so I'm not as good as Sam. I'll take the serum. <laughs> I don't think I'll take it. No. I'll take it. It's, it's just, uh, yeah, there shouldn't be gods among them. I'm, I'm on Team Zuma. Who, yeah, who, walked, who, to- who walked the walk after talking the talk? I have so much respect. Yeah, good one. Good for, a se- for a second, I thought I was going to do it. In a world where the serum is available, it means there are already gods among men, right? Uh-huh. So if I had the option, why shouldn't I take it? Like, I can do so much good with it. And you I don't... Stay, like, your, stay in your house and do your podcasting. Which good idea. <laughs> wow. So you know, I, I feel like if I have the serum, I can do so much more. Because I can what do, do like, two podcasts a day. What do you have to do? <laughs> Not just the people now. Oh, I can do it for yeah. selfish reasons. MMA, MMA fighting. Just a quick wow, idea. Wow, wow. Peds. <laughs> yeah, you think you get your pet testing. <laughs> well, I'm surprised, you I'm surprised you didn't catch that reference. I've missed it. <laughs> oh, so, wow. You see, I referenced the, your, your favorite movie and you didn't get it. Um, so when, uh, at the beginning of Winter Soldier, Steve is like, he doesn't know what he would do if he would leave. And then Bucky's like, sorry, Sam is like, MMA fighting, just a good idea. Oh, to wow. my head. I actually missed, forgot that word. I'm screaming. See, that's me uh, bringing back my. That's me bringing back my filmmaking nerd. Uh, back. I reclaimed the title at the end, and and on uh, that note, let us end this episode <laughs> because that's that's what they call a perfect circle. Um, good. You, you tried to you tried to energize me at the beginning. I put it back at the end. Um, yeah. Um, look, great episode. Really good show. Got better at every every episode. Like literally, I've liked every episode more, as you said last week. Um, yeah, I'm very excited for we'll see what the last two episodes hold. And yeah, come back and we'll talk about the rest of the of the season. Yeah. Yeah, that's it for us. Now we're gonna be back later this week to discuss Promising Young Woman, the latest film from, or rather, the first film from Emerald Fennell. Um, please join us for that should be an interesting conversation um as always thank you to our correspondent Imano Payasugiji thank you to our producers Ibuka Namani and Chinedui Heji and thank you to my co-host Obira Georgi Fiacho thank you to all of you for still listening and yeah man everyone please stay safe take care of yourselves and come back on Thursday when our guest will be the great Daniel Kaluuya bye guys